Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. Too bad it's not full of coffee. <clears throat> All right, well, today we're going to be in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 6. So you can start looking for that. Um, uh, but today, um, you know, it's uh, the new year. Normally, um, uh, we're down in Colorado for the new year. And my and so we celebrate New Year's Eve with my, my parents. Um, and so in previous years, we used to try and get my dad to stay up till midnight. He's a kind of 7 or 8 o'clock bedtime kind of guy. Um, and so in, in previous years now, the last couple years, he's talked everybody into letting him celebrate New Year's Eve at 10, um, which, which is just fine. He's like, I'm on Eastern time now. So, um, but, but these are kind of the three traditions in my house growing up. So I don't know if you know what those things are, but the first one on the left, that's, that's Martinelli's sparkling apple cider. Uh, and so in the speaker house on New Year's Eve, when it's time, when the ball drops, we all drink uh, a, a bottle of sparkling apple cider and these huge glasses of it, and it tastes, it tastes um, like something you only want to drink once a year, um, <laughs> but, it, but it's special in the moment. Uh, the second thing, does anybody know what the second thing is? Anybody eat this? Pickled herring, right? And, and pickled herring, New Year's Eve for us, uh, that's, that is the thing. There's a lot of snacks, the other snacks in our house. Uh, are Cheese Whiz on Ritz crackers, pickled herring on rye crackers, a lot of crackers, and, um, and cocktail shrimp, trays of cocktail, that's, that's what we eat for dinner, and then we all feel, we drink a bunch of apple juice, and then we feel great in the next, the next morning. Um, and so that's, that's the second tradition. And the third tradition uh, that I practice almost every new year is I um, make promises to myself that I don't intend to keep. <laughs> Uh, I, I call those New Year's resolutions, um, you know, very specific promises, and every year I imagine what, um, what I could be doing differently to make my life so much better, and I say, that's what I'm, I'm going to do, and then, um, you know, within a, in a couple weeks, um, they're just as blank as those sticky notes up there. Um, but, but this year, for us, uh, New Year's Eve uh, was different, and, and sometimes the years are just so, uh, these last years have felt so unpredictable. It's like hard uh, to, to make... Uh, uh, promises. Um, uh, but this year, uh, as, as I was thinking about uh, a new year, 2022, um, whether you are, uh, you ate some lovely pickled herring on rye crackers, or if you maybe made yourself some promises for uh, 2022, and hopefully you intend to keep them, unlike uh, this guy. Um, <clears throat> this year, I thought, and for the, la- the, next, uh, the next few weeks uh, that I'm preaching here, I-, I wanted to focus less on the promises that we might intend to keep to ourselves and more on um, three different promises uh, that God makes to us. Um, and there are three promises, and there's nothing um, that brings these together, uh, really, besides the fact that uh, they're uh, promises out of God's grace to us. And, and there are three of my favorite uh, one-liners in all of Scripture, and it occurred to me that I don't know that I've ever uh, focused on any of these in a sermon. And so today, we're going to look at the first one. Uh, my, 
uh, my favorite promise uh, that uh, three resolutions, uh, right, that God won't break for his church or his people no matter what happens. And so, uh, and they're all connected, right, to some of my three favorite verses in scripture. And so the first one uh, is, is this, and you can just put that next slide up there. Uh, they're all, uh, they, they're perfect for page-a-day Bible calendars. We're going to dig into them a little bit more. Um, this one is one of my favorites. Let's actually, I'll, I'll take advantage of this. So we're all here. Uh, let's read it together. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, oh man, that's such a good one. I, if you served on, on council, you know for the last, there was probably a three-year period of time that I had that verse at the top of my reports because it was a reminder to me and to us to not get tired of, of, doing, of doing good. It's a, it's a great verse, great one-liner to memorize and be reminded of. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, another classic one that you might put in this category is like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you know, and it's, it's encouraging. You know, don't become tired of doing good. If you keep going, the harvest will come. And we read this, and, and I've read this uh, throughout my life and, and reminded myself of it at different times. And, and you know, and we think like, you know, what is, what's going on here, right? Oh, don't go weary in doing good. Like, uh, don't. Um, give up studying, and then you'll pass the test, right? That's kind of what, at least what I've thought of reading this sometimes, or, or sometimes, you know, don't, um, for farmers, right, this harvest, don't get tired of putting seeds in the ground, because eventually they'll uh, rise up, and you'll harvest. Um, there are lots of things in life that we just connect with this verse, at least for me. That's why it belongs on a page-a-day calendar. Um, but until this week, um, <laughs> as I was reading this verse, it's meant so much to me, my whole ministry and, and life, uh, it occurred to me that I've rarely spent time looking at um, anything around this verse or anything that um, the Bible's really trying to tell us with this scripture. I just took it and said, okay, don't stop doing good. I'll keep doing the good things that I think are good, and God will reward me, right? It's just a basic don't give up. But there's actually more to it, because this week I started, I started asking the question, um, what does it mean by good, <laughs> And he says, don't give up doing good. Like, what's, what's good? Uh, what's the Bible really saying? You know, does it mean, uh, does Paul mean, does a, a scripture mean that, um, you know, keep working hard and then you'll get a promotion? Um, is he telling them to keep being nice and then good things will happen to them? Um, you know, when I read it, oftentimes... I assume, it, you know, it's just keep doing whatever seems like a good idea and don't ever stop, <laughs> which is fine, but, but let's, let's ask the question, what is good? What's he talking about? Because oftentimes people that are trying to do good don't always do good things, right? Sometimes the things that we think are really good um, maybe aren't so good, um, oftentimes when people are in really heated conflict and we live, you know, especially this season in our lives feels like so conflict heavy and everybody's arguing and disagreeing. And let me tell you, um, nine times out of 10, the, the loudest voice on one side that's fighting and the loudest voice on the other side that's fighting, both of them would read uh, that Bible verse and say, keep fighting. I'm fighting for what's right and I'm fighting for what's right. So what's good? It, it matters what's good, right? Um, <clears throat> uh, is the Bible really telling us that if we think we're doing something good, we should just never quit? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. 
Um, uh, so, so we're going to take a look. You might think, you might think what Paul is talking about. I think a, a natural thing, my first thought was, well, what's good? Well, what's good is doing um, what, uh, you know, the rule, following the rules of the Bible, following uh, what God says in Scripture, or always making the, the right ethical choice, or if you have two options, make sure you're really doing the right thing, make sure you're sure, and keep doing that. Um, never sin, never do the wrong thing. Maybe that's what Paul means, never, uh, never mess up, never sin. Don't go tired of doing the right thing all the time and being perfect. Um, maybe that's an idea. Uh, it's actually interesting uh, because the letter that this comes in, the book of Galatians, it's a letter written by uh, a church planter named Paul uh, to a church that he's left. And they're actually right in the middle of a huge fight over what's good. Uh, that's, that's what Galatians is all about. Take a look and read it. Uh, it, it's all about this big fight between two different parties that are convinced they know the right way, they know what's good, and that those on the other side are, are wrong, and they don't know what's good. Because see, in the, in the Galatians church, um, there was a group of people that thought the way uh, to do good, to do right, uh, was to follow every uh, law that you could in the Old Testament. Uh, so they believed that in order to follow Jesus, who was a Jewish man to become a a Jewish person, and that meant you need to be circumcised, that meant you needed to eat like a a cultural, an ethnic Jewish person, uh, that you need to dress like a Jewish person, that you need to live your whole life like a Jewish person if you wanted to follow Jesus. Paul spends all of Galatians saying, no, uh, that's not necessary, uh, because Christ, uh, he says, the whole letter is written to tell that group why they're wrong about what's good. Uh, uh, Paul writes Galatians to, to tell them why faith in Christ is less about uh, me doing good things and more about what Christ did for us. Uh, so it, it, it must be uh, something else that Paul's getting at with doing good, right? It must be more than behaving perfectly and always doing the right thing. Because if, if Paul believes that the gospel, that the good news is less about me doing good things and more about the good thing that Christ did for all of us, we have to understand this verse differently. We have to understand what Paul means, what the Bible means by doing good differently than just making sure we're following uh, exactly what we're supposed to be doing all the time and we never, and we never mess up. Um, fortunately, the Bible does this all the time when you get those really beautiful one-liner verses. Uh, it helpfully includes all kinds of other verses around them that we can read to understand what's going on. We call that the, the context. And so what we're going to do, we're going we're to take a look at this whole uh, section, Galatians 6, 1 through 10. If you want to know about this battle about what's good, you can read the first five chapters of Galatians. Uh, but we're just, we're just going to take a look at it because um, it ties in directly uh, with this, this biblical truth that uh, the gospel isn't about being good enough and that it's about trusting in Jesus who is good enough for us. And so this is all about how to live like that's true, how to live like Jesus' death and resurrection is good enough to save us. And it doesn't mean that we just keep uh, doing things that hurt ourselves and others, but there actually is a way to live like we believe that. And so we're just going to take, take a look. Um, if we believe the gospel according to Paul, according to um, the Bible, if we believe in a good news that forgives sinners— uh, if we believe in a good news that picks people up, no matter who they are, and makes them new, um, Paul wants us to know we better not 
get tired of doing these things. Because if you live in a community that, uh, that restores people even when they make mistakes and fail, we better not get tired of doing this stuff. And we're, we're going to take a look at these different things. Uh, so you might not be able to see that too good up there, but hopefully you've got your, your Bible with you. We're going to get down to our big verse in a minute. So just starting out in verse 1, Paul, he starts with, he starts with, with this problem, this failure. Um, in, in verse 6, he says, brothers and sisters. When Paul uh, writes uh, brothers, he uses this family language. Um, he's trying to really kind of grab their attention. It's kind of like he's putting his hand on their shoulder like, hey, this is important. Listen, he says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, you who know Jesus in your community, should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves. You may also be tempted. Uh, Paul starts with failure. What kind of good do we ought to not get tired of? What do we need to not get tired of doing? He says he starts with, with failure. He says when someone does something wrong and you catch them red-handed, how do you respond? And, and I think in the church and in uh, the community and in life, we, we respond in a couple of different ways when we encounter someone who has a, a moral failing or, or really does something wrong. I, I think there's kind of two main ones and there's a lot of things in between. Sometimes, in the church especially, um, when we encounter sin, we're afraid that that person doesn't think it's wrong or that they're going to um, kind of pollute the church. And, so, um, and, and we might not say it this way, but sometimes Christians respond this way. Uh, we want to take sin seriously. So when we see it, especially in others and not in ourselves, we thankfully pounce on them. We say, okay, that's wrong. We saw it. I can't believe he or she did that thing. We harshly criticize, we condemn, and we turn our backs on people. Sometimes loudly, sometimes quietly, sometimes we just step, step away, uh, but we, we turn our backs. And this is one that the church kind of caught a rap for, especially in the last... Um, uh, probably like 50 or 60 years. People often talk about, oh, you know, the church I grew up at, like if you made, you stepped out of line, the hammer, it came down. So sometimes we bring, we bring the hammer down on people when they sin. On the other side, uh, maybe we see this uh, a little bit more now, um, when we see someone uh, do something wrong, when we catch somebody in sin, maybe a, um, a part of our church or uh, even a leader sometimes this happens, um, we offer them a cheap kind of forgiveness and grace. So on one side we say, uh, we bring the hammer down, and on the other side we say, no big deal, it's fine, it doesn't matter uh, that that happened. And you can just move forward, we're going to pretend it never happened. We say, oh, it's, it's okay that you, you know, cheated on your taxes and got caught. Like, just, it's, just don't do it again. Like, it's okay, God forgives you, we're not going to worry about it. Um, we're, we don't even want to hear it. Sometimes in the church um, we have this unspoken agreement that when someone else is... Um, doing something destructive to them or engaging in sin. Our, our agreement is if I don't talk about your problems, you promise not to talk about my problems, right? Yeah, okay. That's, that's kind of the other side of that. We say, I know what you did was wrong, but it's no big deal. All's forgiven. Um, and sometimes we even try and restore somebody so quickly that we forget anyone that they might have victimized. We forget uh, people that, they, that might be vulnerable, um, and we just say, ah, whatever, it's, it's fine, we're not going to worry about it. Because we're reacting against the hammer, uh, we, we are permissive. That's kind of the two poles, and we kind of jump between these of the church sometimes. But, but the Bible, and what Paul says, it points to something different. Um, Paul says when, when someone sins, um, 
restore that person gently. There's two words. There's restore and, and, and gently. When someone sins, don't condemn them and send them away. Don't brush it off and pretend like it's fine. But restore them gently. Reach out your hand and help them up. Uh, build a relationship and connection. Keep people safe. Protect uh, any, any victims if it's a situation like that. Uh, but, but don't let go of that person and send them away. Restore them gently. Uh, and then he, he continues the verse. He says, and, and watch yourselves that you may also be tempted. Uh, when we're restoring someone uh, that has done something wrong that's been caught red-handed, sometimes we think Paul means you might be tempted to do the same thing that they did. Um, but I don't know about you, when I see someone um, fail in a big way, I'm not so much tempted to do what they did. My temptation is to raise myself up above them and, and tell them they're, you know, ah, well, at least I'm not like so-and-so. Paul says, watch out, because when you're helping somebody up out of something, remember uh, that you've got your own stuff too, and remember uh, not to fall into that, that sin of, of pride, of holding it over someone. Um, he continues, so he just keeps going. So these are the things. Don't get tired of doing this stuff. He emphasizes it here in verse 9. He says, here, here's the next verse, verse 2. Uh, and we're continuing, right? We, we pick somebody up. Verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. And so each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And then verse 5, for each one should carry their own load. I love this um, little section here because in verse, uh, verse 2 it says carry each other's burdens. And it ver in verse 6 it says everyone should carry their own load. What do you think? That's weird, right? Is that a contradiction? Well, what, what's going on there? Well, uh, I think it's that classic thing that you do with, with anyone. Uh, you know, I've, I've got two boys, and uh, at one time or another, usually the little one is annoying the bigger one, and, and when the bigger one gets mad at the little one for uh, bothering him, <laughs> um, we say, it's okay, relax, Foster, forgive your brother, you know, be patient with him, he, he doesn't understand, and then you turn around to, to the brother and you say, okay, but, but Axel, as you're getting older, like, Knock it off. You know, it's, it's both sides. Uh, we are called to be the sort of people that when we are able to, we carry our burdens and we're ready to carry somebody else's on both sides. Uh, so Paul says this. He says, carry each other's burdens. This way you fulfill the law of Christ, the law that says love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, but be honest about where you're at. It's just like the sin one. He says, when you're carrying somebody else's burden, don't convince yourself that that puts you above them. Uh, don't think you're more than you are, uh, but instead, don't compare yourself to other people. Test your own actions. Be careful of your own stuff. Try and be faithful. Don't get tired of the work that God is doing in you, the transformation that God's working in you, and don't get tired of carrying other people's burdens. He continues, verse 6, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Uh, verse 7, he continues, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now he's going to talk about planting and harvesting. He says, God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. He says, it's not that it doesn't matter what you're doing. 
uh, but you uh, are, are resting in God's grace. And he says, make sure that the seeds you're planting are towards life and not the flesh. Uh, and then verse 9, he says all these things. These are the things we don't get tired of doing. And then he, he brings them all together. And he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap up a harvest if we don't give up. And then he closes uh, this little section. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, to those who belong to the family of believers. I think this is part of what's going on here. Uh, my friends, um, if you are going to get a job at a, at a daycare working with uh, infants, you better not get tired of the sound of babies crying, right? Or, or you're not going to last uh, very long there. Um, in my learning, the time I've been here, if you are going to be a farmer, uh, you'd better not get tired of going to bed late and getting up early, because uh, you're not going to last. Uh, you better not get tired of trying to find help so that you can go do other things. <laughs> if you want uh, to be a, a rock star, you'd better not get tired of loud music. If you want to be a sailor, you better not get tired of the sea. And the same is true for those who belong to Christ and his church. If you're going to be a part of a community of forgiven sinners, a community of people who are aware of their failure and who trust in what Christ has done to make them right, if you're going to live in a group of people like that, if you're going to be a part of a church that's not saved by our own work, and goodness, and ethics, and morals, but by what Christ did for us, if you're going to be a part of a group like that, um, you had better not get tired of restoring people when they sin. Uh, because if we believe that Christ makes us new, and Christ forgives our sins, we have to assume that we're going to encounter sins in ourselves, and sins in others. So if we're going to be a part of a church, we had better not get tired of restoring people gently when they sin. If we're going to be a part of a church, uh, we'd better not get tired of carrying people's burdens for them because the church is a, is a hospital for people with hurt and problems and issues. And our call in a place like that is to recognize that we have burdens that we bring to the table and that our role is to carry ours as best we can but to make sure that we're lifting up others when they need help. And finally, if you're going to be a part of a church, if you're going to be a part of a movement that believes Christ is bringing new life and goodness into the world in a surprising way, uh, you better not get tired of planting seeds of life and hope wherever you go. Uh, when I look at this list, and I think I, I have it on the slide, that next slide, Patrick. Yes, perfect. Uh, when I look at this list, when you look at what Paul talks about of what it means to do good, uh, I, the thing that I notice is missing from this list, uh, the thing that I notice isn't included in what, what Paul says, um, is not um, solving problems, it's not um, winning arguments, and even, and, and this is a pastor as a part of the institution of the church, um, Paul doesn't say anything to them about preserving institutions, uh, about making sure that, that things go well and look good and keep going forward strong. No, all of these three things, restoring, gently carrying burdens and planting life in the lives of others, they're all 
about people. Uh, They're all about people. Don't get tired of using every opportunity to do good to people. Sometimes um, when we belong to institutions like the church or uh, organizations like our school or our business, uh, when we live in a country or in a state or a, a school district, um, you know, we, we start to worry about those things. You know, even, even if you're, I remember when I, was a, when I was a Boy Scout, we were always worried about whether or not we had enough new Boy Scouts coming in, and we get so focused on those problems, or maybe you, you belong to a 4-H club and you don't like the direction that it's going and you're worried about it, or maybe you're worried about the direction of your business or some other community you're involved in, when we're afraid for our institutions, when we're afraid from our church, uh, our first temptation is to start sacrificing people uh, to preserve the institution. Uh, if we're worried about our church, our first instinct is to say, well, what can we do to, to somebody brings up a problem and we say, how can we sideline that person because that's hurting the church? When we're worried about these things, or our country, our first instinct is to say, okay, who do we need to sacrifice for what's right? But Paul says the opposite. In times of division and conflict, just like he's writing into in Galatians, in times of division and conflict, in times of uncertainty, Paul says, don't sacrifice people for things. Do good to people, even your enemies, and trust in the God of the harvest. Trust that uh, the, the institution, the church, the school, the country, or whatever, will be okay as long as we follow our main goal, and our main purpose, which is to love others and let them know who, who Jesus is, because God uh, controls the harvest. Paul says the opposite. In times of division and conflict and uncertainty, don't sacrifice people. Don't sow uh, to the flesh or yourself or your priorities, otherwise you'll reap destruction. Don't, instead, uh, sow to the Spirit by lifting others up and carrying their burdens and you will reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary, uh, not of being right, of doing right, of knowing the right answer, of winning the argument and preserving our priorities. No, 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 let us not grow weary of doing good to people. I I don't know... um, where this hits you in the next year, in, in 2022, or, um, or um, where, where you're at, or what's going to happen, and I don't know what next month or next year holds, um, but my challenge uh, to you and my challenge to me, the members of Christ's church, is this, that you would not give up on people, that you would not give up carrying each other's burdens, that you would not give up testing your actions, that you would not give up sharing and supporting others, that you'd not give up planting to please the Spirit, that you'd not get tired of doing good to all people, that you'd not get tired of boasting in who Christ is over who you are, and that we would not get tired of restoring people, that we would not get tired of loving. And if we don't, We can trust God's promise in this. Uh, We can trust God's promise that when we don't give up and don't get tired, there's a harvest coming. And if that stuff is the doing good that we're talking about, 
then I think we can imagine, if, if doing good is doing good to people, I think we can imagine what a harvest looks like. Because if planting seeds in the ground uh, yields crops, planting love and attention and care and forgiveness and the gospel in the lives of people, it yields eternal life. You never, may never hear from somebody the impact that you made that time that you cared for them. You may never see it. You may never know the difference that you made in someone's life. But when you do good in the life of a brother or sister, when you carry a burden, even if only for a little while, when you refuse to get tired and give up on loving someone, the harvest is great. And it's full of everlasting life. Uh, Now, this is not a resolution that we ought to take up to do good, but a promise of the beautiful harvest that comes when we plant seeds of life and love. Every month here at Bethel, we come to the table and we eat a little, um, uh, these days, a little weird circle of bread and a little cup of grape juice. And when we do that, it's not uh, because those things are particularly tasty, but because we believe that our lives are sustained by the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Uh, When we come to the table together, it's one small way as a church of not giving up on people. That even when we're struggling, even when we don't know what the answer is, even when conflict is high, we still come around this table together, and we do it here with the people in this building, and we do it uh, here with the people that are joining us online, and guess what we do it here when we come to this table? Uh, We believe we come to the table with everyone who believes in Jesus in all times and in all places, that we stand together around the table um, spiritually with people that think and live and look very different from us, but we're committed to not giving up. We gather here with people who need help, with people who disagree, with people we struggle to love, following a call that's not easy, but hoping in a harvest that's more. And so my challenge uh, to you today is to not get tired, to give one more uh, call, one more hour, one more prayer for somebody Show up one more time for someone you're ready to give up on. Just as we're called to show up again and again and again for each other. Just as when we fail and make mistakes and fail again and again and again to live up to who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, God picks us back up one more time and brings us back to his table. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.